Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in everybody. Episode 27 of the podcast that is sweeping the nation. One Man's Opinion, found here on iTunes, Google Play, tuned in, Spotify, wherever you find Spotify also. Wherever you find your favorite podcast, that's where to find us. If you are listening to this, you already know that, of course. Leave some commentary, folks. Uh, hit us up. Hit that subscribe button. Love to produce more episodes for you. And uh, I want to keep this absolutely free as well. So uh, your comments, your subscriptions to this podcast go a long way towards that. I am Jeff Manns. You can find my work over at fantasyguru.com. 2020 Fantasy Football Draft Guide is available there. Literally everything you need. Everything. Rankings, projections, tools, the My Guru tool, the um, Manifesto, my draft plan. We have 50 Fantasy Football Strategy Podcasts. We've got a live 24-7 chat room available for you over there as well. So, Anything and everything you need, you can find at fantasyguru.com. Elitefantasy.com is where you find all my daily fantasy sports information. Me personally, I do baseball and football. So I will have my cash game breakdowns every single darn week of this NFL regular season. So uh, we'll have write-ups on that. Normally we do training camps, all or uh, preseason games. I will be doing postseason games as well. So that's all included over there in our football subscription, EliteFantasy.com. EliteSportsBetting.com is where to go for all your legalized sports betting needs. I post my bets. They've never had a losing season of NFL ever, ladies and gentlemen, documented. Um, you also can listen to me on Elite Sports, uh, Sirius XM's Fantasy Sports Radio Series 210, XM 87, every weekday from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. You find me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Mans, the Jeff Mans on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. Today we are diving deep. I'm going, I was when I was trying to think of what to talk about on the next episode of One Man's Opinion, I felt the only way to go is I wanted to get something out before the season started that I never talk about anywhere else. Right. If you listen to SiriusXM or you're on Fantasy Guru or Lead Fantasy, chances are you hear some of the same stuff because I don't, I have a straight path to how I play this game and it's very specific and it never, I mean, changes a little bit here and there, but I don't change my opinions and my thoughts, right? Unless I'm giving proof to the contrary or what have you. So with that, one thing that I never get to talk about on the radio and I don't I haven't even done it on the site quite honestly is get into some super duper sleeper for fantasy football that's what we're looking at the super duper sleepers for fantasy football now I'm going to go through a list of quarterbacks running backs receivers tight ends maybe get to a few defensive players here if time allows but the names that I will bring up are simply to put on your watch list. Not one of them, if I'm doing this right today, I don't think any of them are worthy of a draft selection in a regular 12-team, 16-round draft. If you're in dynasty leagues, 
if you're in real deep 16-team leagues, 20, 24-team leagues, I'm um, in a 32-team league, I've drafted a number of these guys in those types of setups. If you're in that type of league, then by all means, then go for it and it's all this. But otherwise, it's just to watch. And I think this is a valuable tool. On the show last year and also on the site, we did a thing called our practice squad. And then the practice squad, I took six players every week, and we either elevated them, moved them up, moved them off, or kept them on the practice squad. Just players to watch. It's not about knowing or it's not about drafting them or having them on your active roster right now. The key, one of the, the least talked about skills of fantasy football is being able to identify players. And one of my true real talents, I don't have many, but one that I, I'm very good at evaluating talent for football and for baseball. I'm very good at it. This is what I do. And I've called so many players that were terrible in college, their successes at the NFL, and great college players who stunk in the NFL. Remember, I threatened to retire and quit my jobs if uh, Johnny Manziel made it. You know, all these kinds of things that I've been known for over the years. This is what I do well. And it, what I bring to the table, and one of the decisions you all have to make, we all have to make, at some point, players start elevating during the season. Meaning, the first step of this is in uh, about two weeks from now when we have final rosters. Some of these players aren't going to make the final roster of their team. But in this season, this COVID-19 stricken NFL season where there's going to be not just regular injuries, there's also going to be positive tests for COVID-19 and players deactivated for that and all that, where we're going to get a lot more players on active rosters you know, and cycling and churning through. It's, very, it's going to become very important to know the better ones from the weaker ones and having identified it ahead of time and making all of you aware of some of these players and their skills and how they fit into their current systems. Or in some cases I have players that I think would fit amazingly in different systems, meaning, okay, they may get cut here, but they may don't be surprised if they latch on team A, B or C. And if they do watch out, cause they could climb that depth chart rather easily. So that's what we're going to be talking about on today's show. I'm very excited for this week's episode uh, as well, I did want to get to some news and notes. First of all, for all of those who didn't get the second hour of the Sirius XM radio show, uh, let me just discuss some of the things that I would have been discussing on that as uh, on the Sirius XM show on Thursdays. They, uh, I only have an hour of time. Devin Singletary having fumbling issues. I don't know why this is a surprise to anybody. It should not be. Devin Singletary has had fumbling issues pretty much his entire career and he's an undersized running back that at times just he's five seven he's barely 200 pounds he's a small running back he is not a feature running back he's explosive he's uh elusive which is fine and good and it provided him well in his rookie year in Buffalo um, last year, you know, at times long runs, a 70 yard touchdown run and all that good stuff. But 
the end of the day, he only had 29 receptions. He only had 151 carries for Buffalo. So we knew they were going to bring somebody in as well. By the way, small school, right? Florida, Atlanta. Fumbling issues have always been a problem for him. They were at Division Two, and why wouldn't they be here in, uh, in the NFL? So with Singletary having those problems, it's just – certify Zach Moss even more. Zach Moss is a thoroughbred. Zach Moss is a guy who's going to be very, very good in this league. And in a bona fide, heavy volume rushing attack like they have in Buffalo behind a very good offensive line, I'll say above average offensive line, not very, not necessarily very good anymore, but doing those read pass options, Zach Moss is the lead guy here. Don't forget, Singletary's draft in the third round last year. Mount Moss in the third round this year. There's no like Singletary doesn't have a big contract or draft status or anything ahead of Zach Moss. There's no reason for Moss to be or for Singletary to be ahead of Moss. He's got the fumbling issues. He's one dimensional. He's not a guy who could move the pile and not a goal line threat. Zach Moss is the RB one in Buffalo, folks. I don't think it's particularly close. Singletary is going to be the third down back. That's what he does. Going to catch football in the backfield make some big plays when they need in long situations. Zach Moss is your RB1 in Buffalo, and it's absolutely crazy to me that as I sit here recording this podcast in late, late August, that we're talking about a guy who is going in the – what? We're, let me look up. His, he's moving up a little bit now, evidently, but – he, yeah, Zach Moss is still going in the um, – of course, I can't find it here. Yeah, he's going in 91.33 overall, puts him in the fringe of eighth slash ninth round. That's uh, not bad. You know, that's, that's a hell of a pickup. A good running – a heavy volume running system in Buffalo. A guy who's going to get the goal line kicks. He's going to be the RB1. He can catch the football with nobody to challenge him for carries other than a diminutive running back that has fumbling issues. Yeah, that's, that's the making of a game-changing fantasy draft choice right there in Zach Moss. So that's how I feel about that very strongly, and um, I don't see any other ways around it, really. I think that uh, other news from the day – I didn't get to talk about this on Sirius very much, but Andre Dillard going down the left tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles definitely hurts my recent upside. Between Miles Sanders going down with his own injury and now losing Dillard here in Philadelphia, it just doesn't. I just don't feel good about Sanders in the first round anymore. I just don't. I moved him up temporarily. I like Miles. I love Miles Sanders, the, the talent. But I don't love the idea of him in the, as my first-round pick. I just don't. In another situation to monitor, you talk about first-round pick. There are so many fucking pitfalls. That's right. I could swear on the show. In this first round, unlike I – I can't remember a time with this many pitfalls, to be honest with you. I really can't. You look at McCaffrey's in a completely different scheme situation. Offensive line is destroyed. Terrible. Zeke's in a different scheme. Barkley's in a different scheme. 
Uh, right. I mean, Dalvin Cook's got the holdout issue there. Edwards Hilaire is a, a rookie for crying out loud. <laughs> Miles Sanders is losses left tackle. Now his, the they brought Jason Peters in. He'll have to go back out likely to play left tackle. He's always broken down. I didn't trust him at right guard, let alone left tackle. They lost their um uh they lost their starting right guard earlier in this in Brandon Brooks um earlier in the in this season and um and then you get uh losing Vitae this offseason so it's a lot going against Miles Sanders and now he's got lower body injury himself oh man that makes it a tough first round selection Joe Mixon Joe Mixon isn't effing around either he's part of that unbelievable running back draft uh, or free agent class next year with Aaron Jones. And it was going to be Derrick Henry and Dalvin cook. You know, all these guys who are going on the open market and Mixon's looking at like, well, screw that. I want a new contract. Now he's holding out from Bengals practices. He's at camp. He, part- he had been participating, but now as we've got further in, he's now at, excluded himself from some of the uh, drills and some of the practices. And now he's downright AWOL as of today, Thursday, the 27th. It not They know where he is. I shouldn't say he's AWOL, but at the same time, um, Joe Mixon's out of camp. And that's a doozy right there for the Cincinnati Bengals. You got Gio Bernard uh, be, you know, going up behind him. But after that, it's Samaj Pirine and, Trayvon Williams, not a lot of talent. It's a team that might have to bring in somebody if Mixon's threatening. But with Mixon threatening to hold out now, is we're, if we're drafting this weekend, who the hell do you – Kenny Drake's out of Cardinals practice with an injury as well. So Sanders and Drake injured. Edwards Hilaire is absolutely crazy to me to draft in the first round. Dalvin Cook's got the holdout hanging out ahead of him. Now Joe Mixon's starting to hold out. Aaron Jones has gotten usurped by A.J. Dillon, who's come in and taken a lot of the short yardage plays away from Aaron Jones. At least that's what Packers beat writers are reporting. So you got that on the, the table. Austin Eckler starting to move up. I'm starting to get higher on Austin Eckler all of a sudden, which is fucking crazy to me. But that's the environment we're living in right now. I love Nick Chubb, of course. I don't see any problems with him. He did have the concussion, though. You know, we can't excuse that completely. And never want a running back with multiple concussions. He does have multiple. This is first. But still. So, something to really watch out for, man. I'm telling you, the more I look at these first-round running backs, I'm still giving McCaffrey a benefit. Zeke, Barkley, Kamara gets a benefit. Dalvin Cook will get the benefit. Nick Chubb will get the benefit. I'm moving Derrick Henry up because, yeah, he doesn't catch the ball, but fuck it. He's going to be on the damn field. At least we can go that far. I'm liking some of these wide receivers. I feel more secure about Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, um, DeAndre Hopkins, and Tyree Kill. I feel more secure about them in the first round than I do most of these other running backs. So that's a bit of a change. In my philosophy there, I will be updating the fantasyguru.com rankings, the overall full-point PPR, half-point PPR, the draft book, projections, and everything over there uh, Thursday into Friday, so this evening. 
you guys are subscribers over there, you'll see it change Friday morning by the time you wake up. So uh, that's going on as well. Um, other news around the National Football League. I just laugh at the Kalen Balage thing. The Kalen Balage trade to New York is embarrassing for Adam Gaze. Like, it's really freaking embarrassing. And, I mean, I don't know. Le'Veon Bell has no chance. It's just they're bringing in Gore and Balage and all of these guys. That is very, very discerning to me. That they're that Bell's not going to get – Bell's 28 now. He's no spring chicken. Had glimpses of his former self last year in New York, but overall, not really. It's just, it's just a mess. It's a mess in New York. And don't forget, they traded Jamal Adams. This defense is going to be dog shit for the most part. They're going to have to throw more than you thought. I'd rather have Brashad Perriman and or Jameson Crowder at this point than I would Le'Veon Bell be my RB2. Like the separation between um, that, that second level, Todd Gurley, James Conner, uh, Melvin Gordon, Chris Carson, that group ahead of Le'Veon Bell, like I was trending liking Bell more. I, th- I liked Bell more because he was more of a threat as a pass catcher. But now, I mean, is there, what's the difference between Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson, everybody? Seriously, go look at it. There's no difference. Except that Le'Veon Bell will be on the field a lot less than David Johnson, it looks like, this year. So now all of a sudden, you know, instead of being closer to uh, Gurley and Connor, uh, Le'Veon Bell is much closer to David Johnson on my board than anything else. I got Cam Akers way ahead of him. Way ahead. I got DeAndre Swift approaching him. And Swift has been dealing with his own injuries at Lions Camp, by the way. Don't discount that. Just missed a couple of days so far. They're saying it's nothing. But anytime rookie running back that is in a camp battle isn't on the practice field, it's notable at the very, very least. All right, folks, there you go. That's the news of the day. Uh, let's dive into it. I want to get to this, my secret stash, if you will. You know, we're going to go behind the, uh, the plywood and we're going to find, we're going to go into the, uh, Ziploc bag and unfurl it and get into Jeff Mann's secret stash here. When it comes to quarterbacks, these are super crazy wild sleepers. I want everyone to understand that because last year I got a lot of shit from some of you with my Jazz Ferguson take, and I'll nominate Jazz Ferguson on the practice squad 10 out of 10 times. I'll do it even now. Uh, Did not work out there. He didn't even work out at the XFL either so I missed on it but that's the point we're going to miss on these that the entire point if you these are deep ass players and you hopefully I'll go through why I like these guys and it will uncover for you okay I get at least the way you should be thinking for fantasy football purposes right that's what I'm hoping to gain out of this um the first guy that I'll talk about the quarter. We'll just give a couple quarterbacks. Quarterbacks, everyone knows quarterbacks. So it's very difficult. But the first guy I'll talk about is PJ Walker. PJ Walker is the third string quarterback currently on the Carolina Panthers. Now, what makes PJ Walker interesting, um, for one, he, he's coming off of a, uh, a terrific season 
with the Houston Roughnecks uh, in the XFL level, right? He's coming off a great season there. He's been out of college for – he went undrafted in 2017. But what's notable about that is that he went to the University of Temple, all right? And who is the head coach at the University of Temple? Matt Rule. Where is Matt Rule now? He's the head coach of your Carolina Panthers. Tell you what, the offense that they're building in Carolina does not fit Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater, West Coast guy, not RPOs, doesn't have the arm to throw it deep down the field. You know, it's not a vertical type of passer. And yet, P.J. Walker is. So they gave $20 million for this year for Teddy Bridgewater. But you have P.J. Walker, who's a much better fit for the system. I have a feeling Walker's not only going to make this team. I He's going to be the backup. Like, he could, he's going to be that Will Greer. He's so, he is so much better fit than Will Greer for this offense. So he's coming off a red-hot season in the XFL. All right, would have won the MVP award likely. He was passing yards, touchdown leader over there. He's got a lot of vertical weapons in DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel here in Carolina. Christian McCaffrey, obviously, we know. PJ Walker running RPOs with Christian McCaffrey is pretty damn dangerous. And that's a real good fit. You're not doing that with Teddy Bridgewater. So this is one of the few situations where. You know, Walker might end up getting cut but be the third quarterback. A lot of teams are going to be doing this where they practice squad a quarterback and be able to call him up and in since he knows the system so well. And Will Greer was a third-round pick a few years just, what, last year. So that may happen. But I'm t- if there is a significant injury to Teddy Bridgewater, it's going to be P.J. Walker's offense. So – know him, understand what he does, and he could be a pretty good fantasy asset. Runs, can run very well. He has a good arm, throws the deep ball well for those vertical receivers. Use Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield in the passing game and open up things in the RPO. So that's something to know. If Walker was the starting quarterback of the the Carolina Panthers, I would definitely have him ranked ahead of Teddy Bridgewater in the same offense. So take that for what it's worth. Another deep sleeper at the position of quarterback. One of my uh, favorite draft sort of blanks last year, Brett Rippon. He is with the Denver Broncos. Love Brett Rippon. Um, so much to like about this kid. He's, he doesn't have the classic big frame, tall guy, big arm that you like to see, but his arm is legit. His arm is active, and it is a plus arm. Good velocity on his throws. He steps into it. When I watched his college tape, uh, uh, Brett Rippon, who, by the way, went to the University of Boise State, and while he was out there, um, he beat out a guy named Ryan Lindley, who ended up going to North Carolina State and then got drafted ahead of him for some unbeknownst reason. But uh, nevertheless, Rip, when I was watched his tape, when I first turned it on, I was like, oh, shit, who is this? This guy could fling it. A lot of college quarterbacks don't step into their throw. They throw in what we call, they throw into the bucket. All right? They try to land the ball into a bucket. Think of it like, in, like you're playing in the backyard, throwing it in the garbage can. That's how they throw. So a lot of loft throws, high arcing, you know, like it's almost a football sh- or a 
football shot. What the fuck? Basketball shot. Like you're a, uh, like it's your jump shot, like a high arcing jump shot, like your Steph Curry or Dame Lillard or something, as opposed to a quarterback who steps in, throws through, through the target. And in the NFL, it doesn't work thrown in the garbage can. They're too fast. They're too big. The defensive backs, you can't, when you have a safety burned, that safety readjusts quick and you can't loft it up a nice little, little easy throw that you see in college football all the time. It doesn't work. I saw Brett Rippon just firing through targets right off of the bat in every single piece of film I saw. Now he didn't do much anything. He spent the year on the practice squad a year ago. Um, but he has made some noise during camp this year in Denver and the only other guy in his way from the backup job that drew lock is Jeff Driscoll. Brett Rippon's a better quarterback than Jeff Driscoll. And he is very much like drew lock. He's got a little bit of swagger to him. He's got a little bit of fire. He isn't afraid to, he's not afraid to run the offense. Number one He's also not afraid to go up, go up over the top and connect on those deep plays. Right, he likes to take his chances. We saw this with Drew Locke last year. And Drew Locke came in at the end of the year. The Broncos were all dead and buried. But he came in with a little bit of swag. He started pushing the ball upfield and forcing it on guys like, uh, uh, obviously, Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton, who were there last year. And Rippin fits into that very, very well. So, I like him a great deal. I think he's a player that you have to at least know of at the quarterback spot and be aware of because if he gets an opportunity, he could run that offense just as well as Drew Locke, most likely. So names to know at the QB position. Let's move on. We'll go to the running back spot. That's where you guys all want. That's what you really want to know, isn't it? Now, it's a tough one. Because how deep do we want to go on this running back list? I've got a, a spectacular list of guys who are all relatively draftable that you've heard me talk about, you know, the Benny Snells of the world. Great inside runner, holding off Anthony McFarlane. I actually like both those running backs from the Pittsburgh Steelers a great deal. And if they, they go down, McFarlane's the better fantasy choice because he's a better pass catcher. But Benny Snell's a better runner. Benny Snell's a top 30 running back in the NFL. Just straight away, good vision, uh, amazing balance, stays on his feet, run through, runs through arm tackles. We saw it at the end of last year. Now he's not as accomplished as a pass catcher. All right, so he needs to make room for that in his repertoire if he's to ever overtake or replace James Conner even in, even in uh, an injury situation or something like that. So that's somebody to know. Other names you should know um, at the end of your drafts. We know Josh Kelly. Josh Kelly is a great inside runner for the Chargers. The Chargers have Austin Eckler as their lead back, and we know Anthony Lynn loves Austin Eckler, but there's a lot of lost carries there thanks to Melvin Gordon's departure. And as good as, as ripped as Eckler is, we saw the picture. Oh, my God, he's got six-pack abs and big biceps. That doesn't mean anything. He's still a smaller type running back. He's still more of a pass-catching threat than he is between the tackle threat. You need that thunder to Austin Eckler's lightning. You really do need that. And thus, I think a guy like Josh Kelly, fourth-round selection, um, 
coming out of UCLA, you know, Josh Kelly's a player that we heard about back in the recruiting days when he was a uh, college prospect and not, when he's a high school prospect out of, uh, what is it? So somewhere in Southern California, he stayed home. Everybody in the country wanted a piece of Josh Kelly, and he just looks the part. Looks like he's a thoroughbred, born to be a running back. And I think he'll do very well between the tackles. Now, problem with Kelly right now, I was super duper high on him in going into the draft. Then I loved him going to the Chargers. I love the Chargers upgrading our offensive line, but. Justin Jackson has come back pretty strong from his injury last year. Former seventh-round pick Justin Jackson that this team likes a lot out of Northwestern. He's a good pass catcher and a, a multidimensional threat. A little bit more than Kelly is, especially at this stage of the career. So looks like Justin Jackson's going to end up being that backup. So it means Kelly's not going to really have a role to start the season. Still very, very draftable in the 12th. The 16 round, 12 team um, draft. So that that's where I'm at on Josh Kelly. I think he's right on the fringe of being draftable and not, but somebody you definitely want to take a look at. Another guy that's getting absolutely no draft love whatsoever, ever, and I think we're all going to regret it. Is Dare Ugambawale? Who the hell is Dare Ugambawale? Kazum tight Jeff. He's the, he's the pass catcher running back in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. He opened the season. Bruce, he came out of nowhere, by the way, last season. Out of absolute obscurity. Won a job, won Bruce Arians' affections. Won a job as the pass catching back. And then what happens, gets hurt going into week one. He plays in week one, but was sort of unproductive and um, just you know, wasn't a real threat. And Peyton Barber was running fine. And, you know, Winston wasn't the dump-off artist. He liked being aggressive, throwing the ball downfield. Um, but Bruce Arians has that check down receiver always. And it's a staple of Tom Brady. We know that. We know what Arians did for David Johnson's career. And so somebody's got to catch the ball. Well, Keyshawn Johnson, who we all assumed would get that role, is basically out. He is a... They are having him cover kickoffs and, on, and return kicks on special teams for the time being. They go out and sign LaShawn McCoy, who we all know is over you know, 32 years old at this point, won a Super Bowl with Kansas City, but wasn't even active for the game last year. So Ronald Jones is pretty much alone as the pass-catching threat for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, although McCoy is obviously a pass-catching threat, but he's so old. I just don't see McCoy – doing it and staying healthy. I don't. Ugin Bawale, he put on more added weight. The team asked him to put on weight, put on more added weight. He is exceptional in pass protection, which you desperately need with this offensive line that, you know, the drafted uh, kid out of Iowa, Tristan Wirfs, to help protect Tom Brady's front side at playing right tackle. But you need to protect your 49-year-old quarterback. Yeah, I know he's 43, but still. But Ugambawale can do that. He can catch the football very, very well out of the backfield, and he's garnered favor with Bruce Arians. Ugambawale needs to be on our radar, even in a 12-team league. I probably wouldn't – he doesn't make the draft pool for me yet, right? Doesn't make the draft pool yet, but he's definitely in there. 
I could completely see him coming in and playing a James White type of role. I really can't. I don't forget Arians has used multiple backs many times. The only reason David Johnson got the full run in 2016, David Johnson's rookie year, they used Chris Johnson more than David Johnson, even though David Johnson was balling the hell out. But Chris Johnson was re-signed late that year in training camp and then broke down right away. So it was sort of – and Andre Ellington went down too. So it all led to David Johnson's breakout. So we'll need some things to play out here too. But Ogunbowale is likely going to wind up in that role at some point this season. So be aware of that. Other names, Bryce Love. Everyone's talking about Bryce Love now. I think we – Bryce Love went from a guy that would have I would have talked about and I would have loved to have talked about here um, on this show, but now everybody's hyped his ass up to the absolute uh, uh, hills. So fuck it, like you're overdrafting him. He should not be drafted in twelve team leagues. Not yet. Antonio Gibson's going to be Adrian Pearson's the running back in Washington for the Washington Potatoes. Yes, we call them the potatoes. That was voted on by the listeners of SiriusXM, so we'll continue to do that. So that's how that's going down. Antonio Gibson's going to be the pass, passing back, and he's going to get a good run. Gibson's a bigger guy, though. Remember, he was a converted wide receiver, still learning the position. So he's well accomplished catching the football. He's going to play that Christian McCaffrey role here for the Scott Turner, Ron Rivera offense. All right, so he'll be the check down guy, and Gibson needs Gibson has to be drafted in 12 team leagues. Bryce Love is just on the outside looking in. He's gonna be the third down, he's gonna be the third guy in the backfield. Now, will Adrian Peterson break down? It takes a lot to get Peter just because he's old. Unlike McCoy, Peterson doesn't have a lengthy injury history, he tears his fucking knee. And if he tears his knee, yeah, somebody then all things are up for grabs. He is old, but this coaching staff looks like they're going to use Peterson. I do anticipate if Peterson goes out, there's significant injury. Love would be the guy that comes in, but Gibson will own a role. And as long as Gibson owns that role, Bryce loves pass catching prowess is going to be curbed and he'll have to do it all on the ground. Bryce love coming out of 2017 in Stanford, he rushed for 2000 yards. I mean, this guy, we were all salivating. Won the Doak Walker Award, everything you could do um, in college football in 2017. He came back and was kind of shitty. You know, nagging injuries and all that good stuff, but uh, nothing significant on the injury front just wasn't as good. And you look at some of those Stanford Cardinal offensive linemen they lost from 2017 to 2018, and you see why. All right, so – and then Love fell, obviously, uh, to the fourth round in the draft and has kind of been forgotten about. You know, it was forgotten about last year. Now making some good headway in camp in Washington, but I definitely don't like his – I don't like drafting him in a 12-teamer yet. I think he's still on the outside right there. Some other names to know at the running back position. Mans, when are you going to get to the names we don't know? All right, just chill out, people. Think I don't hear you. You think I don't. I'm so in tune with you guys. I know exactly what you're thinking as I'm talking. Don't worry about it. We got you. How about Kadri Allison? Now, let me talk about Kadri Allison for a minute. This guy is an absolute bowling ball. What I mean, 
mean by when I describe somebody as a bowling ball type runner is I mean, he's not afraid to go right into the pile and move the pile and agents and even some coaches don't like that, but fantasy owners need to love that. It's extra yards, extra yards, extra yards constantly with Kadri Allison. He's a big dude. And he's not afraid of initiating contact or running through people. Runs through arm tackles very, very easily. He's 6'2". Like he's a big dude, right? Went to the University of Pitt. Um, was both, you know, a rushing and receiving threat at Pitt while he was there. So, Allison showed very well last season after being a fifth-round pick um, and showed very well in, in training camp. I believe he actually made our practice squad, if I'm not mistaken, out of training camp. And he's showing very, very well here as well. All right? And he you know, showed some end-zone prowess last year, picked up a couple of touchdowns um, in limited duty. I thought he'd get on the field more, but some injuries derailed his rookie campaign as well. Second season, very accomplished pass protector he is the perfect complement to Todd Gurley Todd Gurley when you I'll ask all of you why aren't you drafting Todd Gurley you all say oh the knee I'm scared of the knee I'm scared of the knee okay all right fine be scared of the knee I don't blame you I, I hear that but somebody's going to have to carry the rock in Atlanta and that's a valuable spot you've got Calvin Ridley Julio Jones Hayden Hurst, Matt Ryan, you've got a couple of uh, bangers out the outside that safeties cannot mess around with. You've got a tight end spot that's been prolific over the last two years when it was Austin Hooper. I think Hayden Hurst fits that role very nicely and will keep linebackers at bay. That means less eight-man fronts, which is good for Todd Gurley overall. But Brian Hill, Edo Smith, none of these, these guys have had an opportunity but they've done absolutely nothing with those opportunities. And I think Brian Hill has the inside track to be in the RB2 in Atlanta, at least out of camp, because he's a dual threat, can catch the football as well. We know they like to throw the ball to the, the running backs in Atlanta. As Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman made careers out of that. Allison could catch the football too. And even though he's a big guy, he can catch the ball. He provides great goal line prowess. You look at Gurley and Allison at training camp, you, it's hard to tell them apart. It's hard. If you didn't see the 21 and the 30 uh, jersey number, you wouldn't know who was who. And that's a good thing. He's got younger, fresher legs than Todd Gurley. I think he fits this offense a lot better. So make sure Kadri Allison is on. It's spelled with a Q, by the way. So you know. Q-A-D-R-E-E, that he is on your radars uh, as well. Again, not drafting him, but we're keeping an eye on him. Other players at the running back position, um, I do have a ton of wide receivers I want to get. I'll give one more guy out here, and that's going to be Mike Warren of the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, man, he's just dropped Miles Sanders. You're shitting on Miles Sanders. Not really. I'm not shitting on Miles Sanders that much, but I like Mike Warren a lot. He was one of the most impressive true running backs that I saw on tape this past draft season. And what I mean by true running back is he's not a receiver first and a running back. This is a dude who was built for the position. 
He was built to carry the rock. He doesn't wear down. He gets stronger in games because he leans on the defense. He went to the University of Cincinnati, all right, and I talked about him coming out of that draft. I thought he was going to be a fifth or sixth round pick, but it just, you know, does did not happen for him. Um, you know, it, it did not happen for him. He ended up going to the Philadelphia Eagles. And you know, what is my biggest complaint with the Philadelphia Eagles? They haven't brought in anybody. Keep waiting. Devonta Freeman's a perfect fit. Right? He just they haven't brought in anybody. Elijah Holyfield, Elijah Holyfield's slow as dirt. Michael Warren, Mike Warren, is bringing is creating a lot of waves amongst the Eagles running backs because he's strongly challenging not only Elijah Holyfield for the you know, third running back duties, but he's challenging Corey Clement as well. And he's gonna win that job. That's what I think. I strongly believe he will. And he didn't catch the ball a lot at Cincinnati, but when he did, he showed that he can do it. It was great in pass protection. Like I said, he does all those little things. When it comes to running back evaluations, you got to look at where the scars are. What, why didn't this guy get drafted? Why, didn't, why is this back getting drafted later than usual? And with Mike Warren, I truly don't know. I think the NFL talent evaluators just missed this one. Um, truth be told, it's kind of like my Marquez Valdez Scantling uncovering a few years ago for those who weren't with me back then. Um, Marquez Valdez Scantling was completely off the radar, went to a uh, uh, crappy school in Florida. I just happened upon the tape because his measurables are so amazing. I watched the tape and it was the worst quarterbacking I've ever seen. Like legitimately the worst. Like I could get my 10 year old to throw the football and it would be an improvement and I'm not exaggerating. I'm being serious. And I'm like, well, this guy hasn't had a chance. So I was talking him up during the draft season as a guy who would likely be undrafted, but to watch out for Sure enough, Packers nab him in the fifth round. Stunned by that, but showed we're on. Our way of evaluating talent is, is solid. This is one I think that NFL front offices got a little wrong with Michael Warren. But the Eagles, we've seen them invest a lot in analytics, a lot into – of former players in their front office. And I think this is a guy that's caught everybody's attention in the organization. I hope they do the right thing and keep him instead of Elijah Holyfield. Holyfield's got the name. He has huge biceps, and, but he's slow as dirt, can't catch a football, and it's really trash. Michael Warren's a guy who could be a starter in this league, legitimately. Now, he's the – he would be a perfect Jordan Howard to Miles Sanders, Miles Sanders for Philadelphia. That's a really good setup for this Eagle team, uh, as opposed to Sanders being the 1A and Boston Scott being the 1B. I would have no problem with Sanders playing the 1A role, of course, but with Michael Warren being the guy that comes in and you know does those – Inside runs, not the zone runs, but I'm talking about the leads, the halfback leads, the uh, the traps um, where you need to make and you know bust through some contact where you're running through the line of scrimmage. Those runs are designed for Michael Warren. I think uh, he would be very good at it. So, yeah, check out his tape, University of Cincinnati. It was very very good, and this is a backfield that is. Miles Sanders is a super-duper talented guy. Everybody else on this Eagles running back room sucks. Like, they're just not good. Nobody here 
is very talented. Boston Scott showed flashes last year. He's okay. Not wrong with Boston Scott. He's undersized. He's one of those Tariq Cohen pass catching guys. Fine. Corey Clement is just run of the mill. Holyfield sucks. There's nobody else. Michael Warren could legitimately make some way here for the Philadelphia Eagles as soon as this year. So be aware of him. We'll move into some wide receivers that I like a lot for 2020 and beyond, mostly for beyond. Start out at the top, guys who are on the fringe. I'll start out with the fringe guys of who could be drafted in the 12-team league. And the names to know there are, um, well, Chase Claypool. I've been wanting to talk about Chase Claypool for two weeks. Does anybody, I'll never get my credit because I never get credit, but whatever. I was super high on Chase Claypool. I had him as a top five wide receiver in this year's class. Loved him at Notre Dame. Just does everything right. Blocks downfield. He sells his routes. He's got superior height, great leaping ability, big hands, no drops. Like everything he does, he does well. I was stunned that he had fallen so much uh, or that he wasn't being talked about so much. Second round pick by the Pittsburgh Steelers, as much as I loved Claypool, I didn't love him going there. Not only because the quarterback situation was unsettled, but also you have Juju Smith-Schuster, you have um, Deontay Johnson, James Washington, you know, Ryan Switzer, who they like for whatever freaking reason they like him, they like him. And, uh, and they brought in Deion Kane, who I'm a big fan of in Pittsburgh as well. So this is a crowded room. But Claypool has made a lot of strides in training camp. He's impressing everybody. Now that Juju Smith-Schuster has missed some practices, Claypool is getting a lot of attention in Pittsburgh. And most importantly, from his quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, who suddenly is trusting him, trusting him even on end zone throws which is a very, very good sign there as well. So um, the reports there, he doesn't look like a rookie. You know, he's just making plays. And Clay, that's the thing about Claypool is that he wasn't a rookie. He knows this position. He's a, he's a thoroughbred. He, I keep using that term, but it's the truth. Guy was built to play this position, right? Just, just makes the catches, but he does the other things. I can't tell you how important it is. When you're a wide receiver, if anybody's watching uh, Hard Knocks, do you see Anthony Lynn of the Chargers just glorified Keenan Allen and went to all the receivers in that room and talking about – and oh, the wide receiver coach is even better. when He's cursing at everybody. It's like, you won't make this team if you don't block. And as guys like Randy Moss, they, there's a reason they were amazing in Minnesota, sucked ass in Oakland. And it was great in New England and then sucked ass in Tennessee and back to Minnesota. Because Randy Moss wouldn't sell a route. When you, if you are in a system and they're running the football, you have to pretend you're running a damn route and be able to block up field once it's known that you're not. That's something that's very important. Wide receivers in this modern age don't want to do that. That's part of the, all they want to do is catch the ball and work on their end zone dance. They don't want to take those other steps. But coaches love those other steps. And Claypool is going to be on the field. And we keep talking about Deontay Johnson, who hasn't practiced in a week. And then we talk about 
James Washington, who seems to me one-dimensional, had every opportunity last year, didn't capitalize. Chase Claypool may be the guy. He could break out as soon as this year. So he's on the verge of being a 12-team draftable player. The other guy, Auden Tate of Cincinnati, who Auden Tate's just a huge human being. He's just bigger, stronger. He's a bigger specimen than most other wide receivers. Even in Cincinnati, where all they have are behemoths, A.J. Green, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, all that. Auden Tate did pretty damn well last year. Right, he, he came in. He, um, he, he was the fourth or fifth wide receiver. Another guy who played at Florida State, by the way. Um, fourth or fifth receiver worked his way up. Worked his way up the depth chart. Eventually, um, gained a little bit of favor there in that offense uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think it's he's been doing it this year as well. And what's best. He's got a lot of chemistry with the rookie quarterback. And if you're chumming up to Joe Burrow, it's a very, very smart move because he's going to be started there for many, many years to come. And, you know, Auden Tate did, showed very well uh, with Ryan Finley. And uh, oh, Ryan Finley gets mentioned a second time in the podcast. How about that, baby? But, uh, you know, Auden Tate had 80 targets, 574 yards last year. Pretty nice little step for him, but he seems to be taking that next level step this year, and it's a crowded Bengals receiving room. A.J. Green's getting paid a lot. We know he's got a veteran presence. Tyler Boyd's been a stud for the last two years, and you bring in a guy like T. Higgins, but it's all about that quarterback wide receiver chemistry, and Tate has it with Joe Burrow right now, and he's a guy that – I probably don't make the move yet in a 12-team, 16-round draft, but we start getting beyond that, absolutely would be a guy I would be targeting. Other names to know in that same respect, I think uh, Trent Taylor of the 49ers needs to be talked about. I consistently – he missed all of 2019 with a – I think it was a torn ACL for Trent Taylor. But before that, 2018, when Jimmy Garoppolo first got there, San Francisco Taylor is the guy who emerged. He was that slot wide receiver that Garoppolo used to move the chains. You know, Garoppolo grew up in the New England system, and they've conformed this offense here in San Francisco under Kyle Shannon very similarly to what he does, specifically in the passing game. They run outside zone for running game, which is a staple of Shanahan, but they are going to utilize that slot receiver and give a quick, 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 quick hitter in order to pick up first downs. And Trent Taylor – Look at all the 49ers injuries amongst their wide receivers. They just brought in Kevin White. That's, that's desperation to the max. Trent Taylor, as long as he stays healthy, he's going to end up playing when they do 11 personnel. And he's going to be in the slot, and he's going to end up getting more targets than some of these other guys that people uh, were thinking of in, um, in Tavon Austin and – uh, Kevin White, and even Brandon Nyuk. The only guy who's a threat to Taylor is Dante Pettis, but it looks like Garoppolo likes Taylor more. So if the quarterback likes him more, just as an Auden Tate, that's a big, big sign right there. Um, Deshaun Hamilton in Denver, it's another one. Don't underestimate quarterback wide receiver chemistry. And the Denver Broncos went out and loaded up. It's a new offense. But Drew Locke is their 
quarterback. That's locked in and entrenched. Pat Shermer is has installed a new offense here. So we're going to see some different things out of Drew Locke and the passing offense. They go draft Jerry Judy, who I think will be one of the top fantasy wide receivers for the next 10 years. I really do believe that. And I think Drew Locke is very fortunate to have a guy like that running routes. Cortland Sutton, who I think is tremendously undervalued all the time. So two of the best, that's one of the best wide receiver duos in the National Football League right now is Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, and nobody realizes it. It's amazing. So in that spirit, though, last year, as nobody was paying attention, when Drew Locke was putting up all these numbers, Deshaun Hamilton was the guy that started getting on the field an awful lot more. We heard about it a little bit in practice, and then we started seeing that translate into games. And I remember playing him in DFS one week. He uh, caught a big touchdown, had a nice game there as well. But his targets, four, nine, six, and six last four weeks of last season had – six and 11 receptions the last two weeks of the season, including the touchdown in week um, 15 of last season or week 16, I should say last season. So Deshaun Hamilton, it's got a lot of chemistry. We've seen good reports come out of Denver about him and drew Locke. So make sure he's on your radar a little bit as well. I personally think Deshaun Hamilton should be drafted well ahead of KJ Hamler. I think Hamler's a nice get for this offense. They'll stretch the field, a speedster, but he's also got a hamstring injury. And a speedy guy, the hamstring injury, you don't never know when that guy's going to return. And that's sort of opened the door now for Deshaun Hamilton to reemerge and could very well be the second leading receiver on the Broncos, even ahead of Jerry Judy, depending on how things go. He's not a better receiver. I don't think he'll have better numbers all season, but starting out could get a little nice uh, wind in your sail for one day, Sean Hamilton, other names to be aware of. Here's a guy um, that is starting to make a little bit of noise out there in new England and new England's wide receivers is uh, I've well documented. My favorite is Nikhil Harry. He should be drafted in all 12 team leagues, but I'm throwing out this name and the name is Demir bird. Demir Bird kept getting on the field with the Arizona Cardinals last year. Now, the Cardinals use a million receivers every single week, so it wasn't anything terribly surprising. But when Demir Bird started playing well ahead of guys like Andy Isabella and pushing Christian Kirk, Keyshawn Johnson, all these guys with high draft status for that team, it was, it was a little bit alarming. Ended up getting 46 targets and just three starts. Um, that's not three games. He had the 46 targets all season, but he three starts. He actually was on the field and uh, it's a night. He, he showed a lot. Now he's a speedster guy. He's been banging around the NFL for a number of years, played in Carolina for a couple of years. Huh? What do you know about that? Who is his quarterback back in uh, his Carolina days? Oh, that's right. Cam Newton, who's starting quarterback in new England, Cam Newton. Quarterback wide receiver chemistry, yeah, it's a thing. And we've heard very positive reviews about Demir Bird out of New England. Bill Belichick doesn't give an F. Nikhil Harry barely played. He was the first-round pick. He doesn't give an absolute F 
about draft status or anything else. He cares who can get the job done. And Demir Bird is in that good situation there because he gets the job done. He's a fast – he's a deep play guy. So what I would say to you is Demir Bird could wind up being this year's version of Steve Smith. Remember him from back in the day from um, his days in Carolina. That's what he is. Diminutive, small guy down the field, but does have a lot of hops. Can go up and get it. It's not his game. That's not his forte. But he's got that kind of upside here with Cam Newton especially. So um, be aware of him. Other players who might get an opportunity. Um, I've got a rookie and a second-year guy. i got a couple rookies. Let me talk about Devin Duvernay. How many times do I have to talk about him? Baltimore Ravens draft pick. I loved Duvernay coming out of Texas. He was the receptions leader in college football one year ago. Not for a high-volume passing offense either. He's just that degree of good. This guy ran the quick slant, the the slant route, uh, quick slant route, as well as anybody I saw in college football this past year. Anybody, every, put in everybody from Judy to everybody else. He ran the best. He gets off the line of scrimmage super fast. He has amazingly light feet. It seems like he can run on air. His hands are legit, can catch the ball, is used to catching the ball in traffic. Like he's not the typical, you know, guy, who, the, uh, like a teammate, Marquise Brown who catch the ball 40 yards down the field in the breadbasket. No, he's 5'10", so he's not, you know, not a beast. He's not a go-up-and-get-it type of guy. But he is an ultimate possession-type receiver. And it doesn't fit the offense well. That's why if it fit the offense, believe me, I would have Duvernay on every sleeper list I ever had. But third-round pick, very, very well accomplished. Marquise Brown is constantly getting hurt constantly last year we'll see he was like that at Oklahoma so we'll see Chris Moore Willie Steed not not even close not even in the same jurisdiction as Devin Duvernay and Miles Boykin I doubt it Boykin's got a better body bigger frame can go up and get it more of a red zone threat but Duvernay can move those chains and if I was the Baltimore Ravens and Greg Roman John Harbaugh this offseason only thing I only thing you need to do you need to bring a new wrinkle to this offense, right? Because you can't do what you did last year and expect that's going to work because the Titans found you out and stopped you in the playoffs, right? When it, so you can't do the exact same. You need a new wrinkle. That new wrinkle, quick slant, quick in route. Uh, you, you do that short hook route or what they call the nine route in spread offenses in college football where, boom, right out of the line of scrimmage, Duvernay would spread the field out have Lamar Jackson back in shotgun and maybe do some uh, RPO stuff there, but come off that and have him just boom, boom, hit Duvernay over the middle. Love this kid loves to run after the catch. Fucking loves to run after the catch. And he doesn't, he's one of the few, you know, he's a, he could be a running back. He was a running back getting recruited to university of Texas, but they had too many there. So he became a wide out and made the most of it. So he is not a guy who wants to go down. He'll run up yards after the catch. Yak, tons of it. I would just work on that play day in and day out every single day, master that play. Cause if you can get that play with this running game and then Marquise Hollywood, what's your dream Brown over the top. It's a tremendous setup. 
Just a tremendous setup for this offense and a great new wrinkle. Oh, all right, guys. Um, what else we got? Um, Riley Ridley in Chicago. Some of my Bears people that have boots on the ground it, in Bourbon A right now, they are all about um, Riley Ridley making plays day after day. They say good connection with both Trubisky and Nick Foles, which obviously is important right now. Nick Foles, the leader in the clubhouse, as far as um, that quarterback competition is concerned. But um, Riley Ridley, remember, Calvin Ridley's brother, fourth-round pick out of uh, University of Georgia, didn't get on the field a ton out there. Um, Just huge body, though. Uh, 6'2", 210 pounds, you know, didn't get on the field a lot in Chicago either, but learned a lot and has made huge strides here in this, uh, in, in, for this Bears offense. Bears could use, they need another receiver opposite of Allen Robinson. You've got the inside guy, Anthony Miller, that's all fine and good, but you really have no other receiver out there. They just moved Cordero Patterson to running back. And one of the reasons I'm hearing they did that is because they're really excited about the development of Riley Ridley. He could end up starting. Not quite. He's not on the 12 team radar yet. All right. He's not there yet. The bears offense just doesn't signify that. In fact, Anthony Miller is barely on that radar for me at this point. So I'm not there yet. But as a guy who could be one of the top pickups in waivers going into week two or three this season. Other uh, ones that I like, oh, Antonio Gandy-Golden, a rookie from Washington. Everybody's trying to figure out which Washington receiver is going to produce opposite of Terry McLaurin. Uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden would be my selection there. But let me talk about one other player real quick that I love. All right. L.A. Chargers, Jalen Guyton. Jalen Guyton could be – dude, this this kid is really freaking good. Um, so much to like about him. Okay, got good size. Six, one and a half, 205 pounds, can absolutely fly. It's been timed in the four threes. All right, Uh Jalen Guyton was um, undrafted out of North Texas, local kid, was signed to the Dallas Cowboys um, after the draft in 2019, right? Come out of small school, yada, yada, yada. But he's a Texas kid. He gets on the field. First, things he, first thing he did in Dallas, took a hitch route, this little quick hitch route, literally, I'm not kidding you, it wasn't one of those everybody falls down. He went 80 yards for a touchdown. And he made four people, he made four guys miss. Like he outran two guys. He made two other guys just completely miss. He did this in a, a preseason game last year, got cut by Dallas. They uh, won him. He was signed on the practice squad of the Chargers middle of last season. He bounced around. He was on the Chargers or was on the Cowboys practice squad. Then he was the Chargers took him there, gave him a roster incentive there. But this kid is going to make the team. They love him. So speed, so speed-oriented. Fits really well and has chemistry with Tyrod Taylor in, uh, for this Charger team as well. So down the field, opening things up. You got Henry. You got Keenan Allen, the big playmakers. Mike Williams going down. You're looking for who would step in if Mike Williams would go out. Jalen Guyton could be the damn guy. 
He can be the guy. So don't you got to remember that name, folks. He's going to catch on. And uh, the Chargers are loaded with talent. Chargers got great talent evaluations. Great talent evaluators. I mentioned Josh Kelly and then Jalen Guyton. Like, these, are, these are just smart pickups. Their defense is loaded. Chargers could contend for a Super Bowl. That's a good future bet to make. Maybe not the Super Bowl, but them winning uh, more than eight and a half games this year. I think that's a strong bet. Everyone discounted them because of the no quarterback. but. Tyrod's just fine. Tyrod's fine with this. the greatness of the offense line, defense line, secondary, the linebackers, they improved greatly, the receiving core, the running backs are talented. This team is ready to go. Um, speaking of the Chargers, I, I should mention another guy, Donald Parham. Where are my uh, XFL people at? Where are my AAF people at? Donald Parham, don't forget, this is a guy who was running past everybody at the uh, for um, was it Dallas Renegades? I believe he was with last year in the XFL. He was a behemoth. This could not be tackled. He's big, six eight, former basketball player, two forty. He's every bit the Antonio Gates like back in his prime. And the Lions had uh, drafted him. Um, or uh, no, they didn't draft him. He's undrafted, but he bounced around Detroit, Washington, went to the XFL. And then the chargers again, smartly picked him up because he absolutely just destroyed the XFL, you know, had a couple of touchdown catches there, had a long 70 yard run, catch and run where nobody on the field could catch the kid. Cause he's so fast being that tall and that fast, that's going to get you uh, an opportunity to be the seam run route runner for some team. And with Hunter Henry's fragility, why not? L.A. may get a chance there. Other tight ends, Devin Asiasi, he could be the starter for the New England Patriots. And don't forget that how often Cam Newton likes to throw to the tight end, uh, top five in all the game of football with target percentage to the tight end. So whoever wins that job is in a good spot. My bet is on the rookie, Devin Asiasi, already locked down a role because of his blocking ability, but he's got exceptional hands too. And another great pickup by Bill Belichick. And then Albert O, I'll call him Denver Broncos tight end. Went to, I cannot even fathom pronouncing his name. So we'll, we just call him Albert O. We did, did that all draft season as well. But uh, guy who's behind Noah Fant, so he's not going to get the, not going to win the job, not going to be the lead tight end. But Played at Missouri with Drew Locke. That's right. These guys were college teammates. There's a reason they drafted him in the fourth round when it looked like he was going to fall even further, even though I, I liked Alberto quite a bit coming into this draft from the tight end spot. I didn't like any tight ends, including Cole Komet, the garbage. Um, but Alberto was a great get in the fourth round. And a guy who played college ball with, the starting quarterback in Denver, Drew Locke. No fan, you know, two tight end sets. Uh, this is a kid who's ginormously tall as well. I think he's 6'6 and 260 damn pounds, but he also ran, what did he run? A 4'540? Yeah, he ran a 4'540. Super athletic, super fast. And there's playing a two tight end set with Noah Fant and Albert. Oh, there's not much. Not many teams that have the personnel to stop that anymore. You just don't have the linebackers or safeties. I mean, you just don't have them. 
Chargers may have him. Nobody else has him. So a guy who will be a spot starter. And then if anything happens, if Noah Fant goes down, Albert Oak could walk right in and be a pretty darn good producer at the tight end spot for your fantasy team and for the, um, for the Denver Broncos. So there you go, everybody. That is going to do it. One man's opinion. It's been a speedy, speedy round today. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this show. Hopefully you appreciate that I gave you something else that I hadn't been uh, talking about a lot. My secret stash, if you will, the super fantasy sleepers for 2020 and beyond. Remember all my work, fantasyguru.com, elitefantasy.com, elitesportsbetting.com. If you like the discounts, tell you what, go to elitefantasy.com slash mans. M-A-N-S, just like the name of the show. And there is a promo code on the top. Use that promo code for any product or service we offer. The draft guide, full season stuff, DFS, betting, whatever it is. And you get 20% off that total. So that's uh, only for you guys to tune in to this podcast as well. So there you guys go. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Mans. The Jeff Mans, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok episode 27 in the books thank you guys for downloading subscribing commenting and do appreciate it oh so much we'll see you guys next time everybody you can disagree but if you do it's all right because this was one man's opinion good night